Thanks for tuning in for another edition of the Veries and Numerous podcast presented by Briar.io, a Briar.io production. Quick shout out here. I start every episode like this to our sponsors. As you can see, them scrolling across as I read them off here. Special thanks to Thunder Games. Thunder Games creates games that integrate Bitcoin and process payments via the Lightning Network. They're, they're actually, uh, I'm having the uh, creator on the podcast for uh, next, uh, he's coming on Sunday, so it'll be out next week. They have various, di- uh, they have numerous different games and run their own node. If you wish to c- connect, their public key is available over at thndr.games forward slash about along with their Telegram and social media. Thunder Games are making mobile games, which enable players to win Bitcoin for free using the Lightning Network to win prizes. Uh, Check them out, thndr.games today. The Bob Shop, the most diverse blockchain and crypto clothing store on the web. I love these guys, and I had to have a little chuckle. I ordered a... uh, I got actually. I ordered a shirt from them uh, the other day. Already here, cryptocurrency, the Bitcoin logo, a play on the uh, California uh, uh, deal. I, I think so. I really like what they have over there. Uh, check them out. They have all sorts of stuff. Uh, very diverse. Lots of different projects. Uh, check them out. BobCrypto.com. That's B-O-B-C-R-Y-P-T-O.co. Vinxcoin. Vinxcoin is the world's first decentralized fine French wine and vineyard-backed security token offering STO, where anyone can be a fine French wine and vineyard owner from the comfort of their own home. Vinx removes the high-cost barrier to entry to French wine and vineyard ownership markets. Check them out at Vinxcoin.com. Trios. What is Trios? Trios is an economy and an ecosystem. Trios is a direct reference to decentralized money that will power a new economy. In the future, the term Trios will become synonymous with cryptocurrency and virtual ass, virtual financial assets (VFAs). Their payment methods, their ecosystem, and their general use as both a utility and a store of value. Check them out at Trios.io. Charon Coins. You found the brick and mortar financial institution where you can safely trade. Dollars for Bitcoin, USD to BTC, over-the-counter, and person-to-person. They facilitate transactions of all sizes, including high-volume transactions. Their headquarters is located in Milwaukee, serving the MKE areas of Lakefront, Eastside, Riverwest, and Waukesha County. More than just being an OTC location, they're here to educate you about Bitcoin, wallets, blockchain, crypto, security, and platforms. If you're in the Milwaukee area, you can also check out their Bitcoin ATM with more to come soon, visit Charon Coins, that's C-H-A-R-O-N-C-O-I-N-S dot com. Bitcoin, store value. Bitcoin SOV is an emerging community-driven project that is a decentralized team the world over. It is a proof-of-work mineable ERC-20 and has a deflationary design with token burns to ensure your value is stored over time. Check out their site at bsov.io. Lucho Paletti, a digital artist that did the Andy Warhol on my wall to buy Bitcoin uh, play there. Uh, He's a self-described propagandist known for his iconic Bitcoin artworks. Lucho's number one goal is to spread the message that Bitcoin is better money. Check out Lucho Paletti. That's L-U-C-H-O-P-O-L-E-T-T-I.com. And Flashcoin, lastly, is a reinvention of Litecoin built to scale 
for worldwide commerce and fast enough to handle everyday transactions. The flexible and easy to integrate core code allows exchanges and wallets to add flash to their platform within hours. With a settlement time of five seconds and consensus within two minutes, anyone anywhere can use Flash Mobile Wallet as easy as cash or credit card. Visit Flashcoin, that's F-L-A-S-H-C-O-I-N dot I-O. And remember, nothing written or spoken on Briar.io is financial advice. Always D-Y-O-R, do your own research. You are the captain of your financial ship. You are in control of your financial sovereignty. And please enjoy this episode. Welcome back for episode 18 of the Viries and Numerous podcast. Today I'm uh, lucky to have Jack Everett on of Thunder.Games. He's an entrepreneur, developer, and uh, Bitcoin Lightning Network fan. Welcome to the show today, sir. Hi, uh, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, you and I have been friends just for a few months, so... Um, it, I'm always interested, interested in people, uh, that are doing stuff in Bitcoin and, um, you know, love technology. So I, it's a pleasure to have you on today. Cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to having a chat. Yeah. So you're, uh, you're, you're over there in London. Um, you're the first Londoner I've had on the podcast. Uh, what's going on just real quick with the, uh, obviously, uh, Corona and all that stuff is, are you guys able to, what's, what's it like right now? Uh, are you able to get out and do some things and stuff like that? Or they, are you guys on lockdown? Like kind of like America or. Yeah, I think it's the same everywhere, isn't it? It's basically, you can only go out to exercise and to buy food. Yeah. Uh, and you're not allowed to have, I think you're only allowed to have two people in the car at once or something. And you're, if you go for an exercise, you're only allowed to go with people in your household. Um, yeah, it's a bit strange time, so I was just curious what's going on. Uh, uh, it looks like we're they're going to start putting uh, – the states are like – here in the, you know, the U.S. is uh, – we have 50 states, and states' rights used to be a big thing here. But then the federal government kind of – you know, they do their own thing too. But the, some of the states are starting to put people back to work or let, let people go back to work. So um, – I was interested in what's going on over there. So for the people that don't know, uh, you've developed um, uh, an app, uh, which is available in the Apple iOS app store and also in uh, the Google, uh, in Android Google Play Store. Um, do you just want to give like a quick, I actually was playing the Bitcoin bounce game a little bit during this, um, uh, you know, well, we stuck in the house a little bit. Uh are are all of the are all of the games around 150 um, megabytes? I think that's what that one is. Are they are they mostly smaller, um, you know, downloads or whatever? Um, so yeah, the uh, specifically about the, the the size of that game is actually it shouldn't be that big. It should only be about 50 megabytes. Okay, <laughs> but I've got a bit of a, a sort of bug with that side of it. Um, some next couple of updates will be much smaller, so it's much easier to download. Um, yeah, Bitcoin Bounce is um, something that I created to uh, onboard people to Bitcoin via the Lightning Network. Um, so my friends who work in London, all in banks and insurance, and they think Bitcoin's stupid and a, a, a scam or yeah. like a pyramid scheme. They don't really understand because they work in banks. Uh, so I wanted to make a game that I could just give them and then they could just play it and they didn't have to really learn anything. And then it got, they, they win some Bitcoin and then they've got some. <laughs> so right. without realizing it, I've turned them into a Bitcoiner. <laughs> literally, 
because uh, in the game you just win some Bitcoin and you, you win it and you've got it. Right. <laughs> I'm like I'm trying to stealthily get them into it. <laughs> um, I love it. I think um, the, the the next sort of adoption phase will be like there's so many people who don't really understand Bitcoin or uh, how to use it, and I think there's just going to be a huge wave of people uh, being onboarded. And I, I think uh, the Lightning Network is the way forward for that. It's so much easier to use. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to back. I just wanted to get that. You know, let everyone introduce you. Let everyone know who you are, real quick, and all that. Uh, where did you grow up? I always like to get, you know, a little backstory on my guests too. Uh, so yeah, I grew up, uh, just, uh, in London and, um, uh, just had a normal or growing like middle-class family, you know, um, didn't get into any trouble. Uh, went to university in Norwich, uh, did computer science and computer graphics, um, and then worked in the special effects industry for a bit. Very cool. And so you were, a, what kind of student would you say you were? Uh, I used to drink a lot. I would just say. <laughs> I was, uh, it makes two I was of us. <laughs> always going out. Uh, I used to leave my coursework to the last minute. So I used to be hungover and couldn't go to lectures. I was the worst student. <laughs> to be totally honest. <laughs> Yeah, we would have been a bad pair back in the day. It sounds like, yeah, I was, I was a little bit like that as well. Um, so when did you really get interested in tech? Were you like a gamer as a kid or um, when did that happen? Yeah, so I was uh, always into computer games, always playing with my friends. Uh, had a NES, a SNES, uh, N64, PlayStation, uh, used to play PC games. And I basically was always into into games, and the university course I picked had uh, was computer science with computer graphics, so I was thinking about getting into the games industry. Um, so I've always been in into computers ever since I can remember in games. Yeah, what what was that like studying uh, computer science? Back, I mean, I don't know when you were in school, but uh, were, was there any sort of idea of like digital money yet when you were looking at it? No, not at all. Uh, there was not even really uh, virtual currencies, you know. You know, like how in modern mobile games you have the virtual currencies that you can buy. It wasn't even really a thing in games. You didn't really collect coins or whatever to to buy stuff. That was, those were your points, you know. Right. So they, they weren't even... Yeah, when I was growing up and at university, was there wasn't even the concept that they had value, really. Yeah, I sort of remember the beginning of that, um, like, video game, you know, that video games had, like, that, you know, there was finite supply or how was, that there was some sort of digital, you know, um, value was, like, I remember, um, I didn't play it in particular, but... Uh, what is that game? It was huge. It was it's a computer game, um, uh, World of Warcraft, and um, I had roommates that were playing that game, and they were talking about how you know you could build, you could put all this time into playing that game, and then eventually sell your characters or whatever, and it was like for thousands and thousands of dollars. And that was that. Looking back, that was sort of like. Um, maybe the beginning of like, you know, that sort of idea. I don't know. Uh, were you ever, did you ever play that game? 
No, but my flatmate um, used to play. <laughs> he, he was addicted to that game. Right. He used to play for like 12 hours in a row. Or I'm like, I'd be coming down for breakfast and he'd be just going to bed. <laughs> so, yeah, I know uh, people got quite addicted. I didn't, that wasn't the kind of game I liked. So I didn't, luckily I didn't get into that. But you're definitely right about the, the value people were creating in the game and selling, selling on yeah, my roommates would do the same thing. They'd stay up all night, and then I'm like, you got lecture here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I remember the same thing. So what about from, like, uh, it's, uh, obviously you had the, the tech. Um, you were always interested in tech, or, you know, at least from college on, or, you know. Um, what about um, economics? Did you have, like, uh, did you read a lot of economics, or what was your what, – what did – you know, um, in particular with money, um, a lot of people have sort of either the tech or the economics uh, interest. What about economics? Did you have both? Or I was not interested in economics at all uh, until uh, I basically had a couple of iPhone games when the App Store first came out that went like to, one of them went to number one and one was like number two in the pay chart. So I got quite a lot of money quite quick. Uh, for my business that I just started. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, it was, well, it was more luck, to be honest, because it was just right place, right time. Okay. And they weren't like, they're only number one for like a day. Uh, and so I got quite a lot of money quite quick. So I thought that's when I learned about economics, really, like how to, what types of things you invest in, the fees that come come with investing, um, and just everything. Like I just consumed loads of books um, about it. When yeah, like came up when you get money, then you suddenly become interested. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's either I feel like there's like maybe um, a spectrum where either you get you have no money and you're really interested in economics, or you I don't know if there's like the middle road is much out of, you know, or you have a lot of money. That's a uh, that's a uh, Murray Roth. I think it was Murray Rothbard or somebody. I'm a big Austrian uh, school. Uh, economics fan and I I've consumed so many of his lectures and stuff but I can't remember who it was but they talk about that um, about how people get interested in economics um, so what uh, not to pry but uh, what were your they were you interested in stocks when that happened when you started getting the money from the apps or um... yes yeah, so I was interested in basically I went to some financial advisors and to basically set up a pension uh, that kind of thing and so I read a few books to see like what to do and a lot of the books that I've read said that it was the fees that get you it was the fees <laughs> like, I'm always taking like one percent a year and that kind of thing uh, so I got in I didn't get into stocks but got into more like uh, ETFs so I wasn't picking stocks or anything and I wasn't trading, it was just to like quite get an investment uh, portfolio together I could manage myself. Very nice. So let's get into the fun stuff, the really fun stuff now. When did you stumble or how did you get into Bitcoin? Yeah, so I remember Bitcoin, it was about 2011 and it was getting, and there was like a big price and I don't know, I can't remember how much it was like. $20 or something, something like that, and uh, 100 or something. And it was just um, like, I'm always interested, in, I was interested in tech and uh, I just heard about it. 
uh, I think I got some, I downloaded like the Bitcoin Core wallet and got some off of Fawcett, you know, some Bitcoin off of Fawcett or something, just tried it. Right. Uh, I remember trying it and thinking this is rubbish. Not because uh, it was slow <laughs> or like it was hard to use. It was because you had to like copy and paste everything. I was like, oh, this is not, this is not user friendly. I was like, maybe if it was more user friendly, it would be better. Do you remember where you saw it first or how, like, how exactly you came across I it? I think it was just um, on the news. I can't remember. It was so long ago. Yeah, I know. I like, I saw it. I downloaded it and, like, uh, you know, like at the weekend and then just got some and put it in the wallet and went, oh, yeah. And then, that, and then I didn't look at it again until the next time it went up, you know. <laughs> Every, like, three years, I seemed to get interested right. in it. So how long after that did you start looking at like running a node and all that? Because because I know you run the lightning node now. Was that years after? Or? Oh yeah, I didn't. Uh, I I never run a node until last year. Oh okay. Um, I did actually know. Yeah, I did do some mining though. I got uh, one of those butterfly butterfly labs. Do you remember yeah. them? Mm-hmm. Like this little tiny jalapeno, like there's this little box thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, the worst miner you could possibly get and I think it came so late it was like almost not worth turning on um, but yeah, it wasn't until uh, yeah, like last year I really took it seriously and uh, actually set something up uh, when you said 2011 and then you started getting more interested like the next time the price went up so maybe it was I don't like know, 2013 I think yeah, some, when I got a miner okay. um, and then I was still like this is still the user interface hadn't changed. I think right. the wallet I downloaded two years before. <laughs> it still looks the same now, I think. You know, yeah. the Bitcoin Core QT wallet or whatever it is, is like exactly the same. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, 2013, I was still like not uh, not really uh, super interested, but I interested enough. To, I bought some. I, I learned a bit more about the economics and I, you know, invested a little tiny amount Right. So did you, did you, uh, do you still have the Bitcoin from back then or did you, not to say like, you know, those exact Bitcoin maybe with those private keys, private keys, but um, did you, like, I personally started running a node like when I didn't even know what a node was. <laughs> like, I just started running a node to see the, tra- you know, the transactions uh, validate and all that in 2011 or 10. And um, soon after, uh, my uh, Mac Mini hard drive collapsed, so I lost those coins. That's what I'm asking. Like, oh, did you no. learn? Did you lose, or did you um, have any sort of those growing pains? No, so I put everything. I put basically. I think in 2013, I think it was 2013 or 2014. I, I lost interest in it. Was that like the big bear market? I can't remember. Right. For some reason I lost interest. So I just put everything I had on like paper wallet. <laughs> I'm just going to put this on a paper wallet. And, yeah, that's smart actually. Uh, yeah. Um, so I never really, if I lost, if I lost any coins, I've forgotten that I lost them. So that's the good place to be. I think <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I lost coins was uh, on an, uh, the Cripsy exchange. I had some Litecoin and that one, uh, the guy ran away with everyone's money. 
I remember the early days when you're talking, a lot of people still don't know how to make a paper wallet, but I remember like making paper wallets for people and they like, they didn't realize that you would like, if you were like dishonest, you could have like, just take their money. <laughs> it's just funny looking back, looking back at how little people knew and still like the new people don't know, like, you know, if an honest person could have, you know, really made a killing back then. I think it is like 20, 2014 when I made my paper wallet to put all the just, you know, basically be like I've got to concentrate on other stuff not Bitcoin right, <laughs> right. Paper wallet. and I, I did a load of $10 like £10 or uh, presents in paper wallets and gave them to everyone as a secret Santa that, like that. that's cool so then like you know it was funny like four years later when the 20k hit and all my friends were messaging me and how much is my my Bitcoin on that paper wallet worth now and it was like $400 or something yeah they had to love that yeah, that was good. <laughs> Hopefully you brought them into Bitcoin too. At least maybe a couple of them stuck around. Yeah. I don't know if they they did they just want to know how much their bit of papers were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what do you think uh as far as like um are you are you interested in other any other projects? What cryptocurrency? Project? Yeah, like are you interested in Ethereum or um I'm really into Chainlink right now as like I think that they're gonna do uh, a lot of good for the entire ecosystem as you know uh the Oracle solution and stuff. Are is there anything else that you're interested in? I'm really interested in something that I don't shout about because I worry that people will judge me for it. But I'm sh- I'm sure your uh, your listeners won't. Um I really like the in the UK, they've they've done a paper. The Bank of England did a paper about <clears throat> a cryptocurrency for fiat, and I really like it because I have to use fiat all the time, and like every day, I'd say like you know ninety nine point nine percent I'm using fiat, and I would much prefer to have my fiat have the private keys to my fiat digital money mm-hmm. than it being a credit note from a bank. Yeah, I actually saw your post about that recently on Twitter. Yeah, it is. I mean, even I'm not a proponent of fiat. I hate fiat and I'm sure you don't care for it either. But if you have to use it, why not be the holder of the keys or whatever, however they want to do it, right? Yeah, I'd much rather have like, like money from the Bank of England, treasury money, than money from that isn't money, it's just credit. Yeah, did you read the did you read the that paper then? It sounds like you did. Yeah, it's kind of an exploratory thing and I just I don't think they'll ever be able to do it because I can't imagine why anyone would want to keep their money in the bank anymore. Right. And then that means all like what's the point of banks? I think like that's one of the reasons I do like it is because I believe most of the issues we face is because of credit, not necessarily fiat. And um if this like Bank uh, Bank of England treasury money is a thing. I think it's like the best chance you have of taming credit and stopping banks giving money to the richest people who've got the most collateral. And I think it would actually make a difference to the world because credit wouldn't go out of control. You know, right. everyone, everyone would just have their money in the. They would just hold their own money. You know. I do. I I think that's the end game. I and I don't know if if. Uh, that everybody will end up having, you know, be their own bank. I see like very few banks existing in like the next, I, it could happen faster than I, you know, like the internet really took like 30 years to explode something like that. I could see, you know, we're in the year 11 now of Bitcoin. I could see maybe in the next 10 years, we already start to see like 
a decrease in um in banks, you know, at least brick and mortar banks. What do you think you think that that could happen? Um no, because <laughs> just to be a bit of a contrarian. Okay. Uh, uh I don't think Bitcoin can like take over in that respect until the it's not until it's seen as currency by governments because the fact that you have to keep track of your you know purchases for capital gains uh, <laughs> stuff you know like it just makes it unusable there's no like i would every time i make a payment on the lightning network i'm like oh i'm gonna have to like keep track of this right a company i can't just like do everything willy-nilly mm-hmm. no, that's a british term um, oh we use it we use it a little bit here. okay hopefully it means the same yeah it does <laughs> uh yeah so i think you know if if uh, you didn't have to keep track of it for tax purposes or your payments, then it would have a much more of a chance. I think that's, I think a lot of people have their head in the sand about that problem. I think that's probably the biggest problem. So you, you don't, yeah, I understand that. And central banks aren't just going to give up on the, uh, the grasp they have. So it's going to take a while, but here in the, here in the U S they're actually proposing legislation that um, purchase or um, anytime you spend, over i think it's or under a couple hundred dollars like two hundred dollars or something like that that you don't actually have to report it as uh like um a taxable event so uh maybe maybe uh i sort of think that you have to keep track of all of these right you don't have to you don't have to pay tax you don't have to report it but you still need to keep track of it to know that you've done it under 100 (laughs) <laughs> yeah i guess that's true i didn't think about uh, it like that. yeah I, think it, I mean if none of this if there was no if there was just no tax on it at all then yeah we, we would have like it would get much better, better adoption because uh, i just think people like even um jack Maller's changed his whole like pivoted on one of his businesses didn't he or one of his products to to do a payment from fiat to the strike product right okay what what about like in particular since we're on the case of fiat currencies uh, in the Bank of England? Uh, what I, I just looked at the exchange rate yesterday. I think the um, or the day before it was Friday. Uh, the exchange rate or the uh, it's one one dollar to a dollar twenty a dollar twenty three pounds sterling. Uh, what what is the okay? So the United States is like just out of control printing money and just like we're just like helicopter. You know the the meme. Yeah. Is, uh, money printer go burr, you know. So, what is the Bank of England doing? Are they are they up to the same sort of, uh, you know, debauchery? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same. Uh, but but the thing is, no, like people in England don't and the UK don't really question it. <laughs> oh yeah, brilliant, good. Yeah, they've got the money they need. They don't. No one. No one really cares. So people in in uh, England, they're 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 a bit more status than you would say. In the United, what do you mean? Like, um, I'm I'm more of like an anti-state guy. I, I'm I'm oh. an anar- I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I just believe in the free market and that we can do everything privately. Over there, people are a, a bit more like trust in the government. Let's just yeah. put our you know put our trust in the government, right? Hundred percent, yeah. So it's like it's very socialist here, but people don't realize they're socialists. That it is. People would vote for like a right-wing party we've got right-wing party in at the moment um but everyone's very happy to take the money uh the free money at the moment you know <laughs> to help them through 
<laughs> they don't realize that that's like a socialist thing to do. So over here, what's his name? Uh, he was pretty popular for a long time over there amongst the right uh, or whatever you want to call it, I think. Uh, Nigel Farage, right? Oh, yeah. is, is, is he like an extremist over there, it, it, you know, compared to, the, to the, the status quo? Yeah, he, he is. I wouldn't say he's ex- extremist, but he's very uh, – there's a small minority of people who like him, I would say. Okay. He he, he's never he's never been a politician. He's not a politician. He's never held a politician. He was a politician in the EU, but not in the UK. He's never been able to get into government like any government. Okay. He's quite a character. So I had to. Uh, we're yeah, we got on that topic. Uh, yeah, he's just a shock factor to get you know publicity. You know, I don't even necessarily think he believes what he says. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, let's get back on to Bitcoin. How hard was it uh, for um, you to get um, your your applications, your app in the or your uh, your gaming app in the um, iOS and uh, Google Play Store? Uh, it was not too too hard actually. I did a lot of research before, so the way that I designed the game, um, there's a competition where you you don't just win Bitcoin. You have to collect raffle tickets in the game. And then once per day, there's just a raffle and then you can just win some Bitcoin in the raffle. So I didn't just come up with that design uh, and then hope it would get in. I read the, uh, the rules of Google Play and App Store to determine what was going to be allowed. Because uh, Google Play is very anti winning money for skill based games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was nervous about putting it, getting it in the App Store, but I didn't seem to have any issues. And I've, the, the the business model is similar to a lot of other games as in the app store that give away real money, you know, well, not real money, but right. money. so yeah. I already, there was already kind of a case. The only reason it wouldn't get in is because it was a crypt, cryptocurrency. Um, so, on, you know, what did you have to get a legal team put together for that? Yeah. So I didn't, I have a sort of outsourced legal company that I've used for trademarks in the past um, and some other copyright things. Uh, so I reached out to them and they basically wrote up the you know, terms and conditions for the competition uh, to make sure I wasn't exposed, like the exposure was correct from my company and uh, that it was correctly domiciled in the UK, the competition. So yeah, I had a legal team. <clears throat> And it wasn't a lot, you know, just a small document that's for you when the user signs up to the game, they have to agree to. How long did it take from like the time you started like researching how, you know, you said you read terms and conditions and all that stuff to make sure you were um, up to speed on that and you didn't make any mistakes. How long did it take for you uh, once, you know, to get like the whole process of getting into those stores uh, and which one was, which one was easier to get into? Um, so, I started the project around the around uh, the end of October, which was uh, when the Lightning Network conference was in Berlin. Oh, cool! Um, and it it got in. It was really cool. The, the 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 apps got accepted in the app stores literally like two days before Christmas. So it was like the ultimate Christmas present. <laughs> so I was like really worried about it uh, that it would get rejected or for an unknown reason to me. Uh, so yeah, it didn't take too long. Um, and what, 
you're the you're the only developer on this, or are there? I know you're the chief developer, but are, is there? Yeah. Anybody else well, there's another guy who uh, has worked with me for a long time, maybe five five years. We worked on other games together. Um, so yeah, there's two of us on working on it. He is um, quite private though. He's not. He, he he's not really into the Bitcoin scene, so to speak. Yeah, he's more into the more into the creation of the games and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he works on the. He, he's the main game developer, and I work on the game design and the uh, back end side of things. Yeah, how many games have you made so far um, with with this? So it's just one Bitcoin game. Okay. Uh, we do have a second game that we work, we're working on to release it, but we're kind of trying to make the first one work. Um, the first game is still, the business model is not quite there yet. So there's not really much point expanding to another game until we've got this one uh, monetizing well. Yeah, so, I, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, the game gives away free money, so I need to <laughs> can't yeah. just can't leave it like that. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I was playing. Like I said, I was. I got a little addicted to it earlier today. Even I was playing it for a few minutes today. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm not a gamer per se, but I do enjoy uh, playing games. It's a lot of fun. Um, but uh, you know, you get busy with stuff, and then it's good to. It's actually fun to play while you're like working out or something on the treadmill if you're just walking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you earn a little money for your time. Uh, so, what's your roadmap for the rest of like 2020 on on it for the you know for the site for the game for the app? So yeah, in the in the short term, we're working on monetizing the game better. So we want the prize money to be much bigger. So at the moment, the prizes are very small because that's basically how much money is made in the game. But what I want to happen is increase the prize money like the top prizes to get much much bigger so it's almost like a million sats a day or something is the top prize that'll be cool something exciting there'll still be all the small ones so you can still win a little amount if you don't win the top but just to make it more interesting uh then so we've got some things we're trying to work on with the monetization side but it's quite challenging in fact that a lot of these companies that you can use for mobile monetization are anti-crypto so some of the ones i plan to use rejected my game they said oh we're not advertising on your game full stop really <laughs> yeah so i'd say it's 50 50 is like that so it's normally the bigger ones um yeah they they're just too big to bother you know learning about the game they just reject it because it's got real money in it it's not really <laughs> because uh, because of, of the competition um so yeah what we've, we've been slow we've had a few setbacks in terms of monetization so that's next and then after that we're working on more, uh, competition based uh, engagement with the players so trying to make the game like the lifetime of the game longer so people don't like if they if you just have no competitions the game gets boring quite quick but if there's like something new, different levels every day. So that's something we're trying to work on. Uh, and then and then, and then we've got another game as well. So pretty, pretty full, full. I don't know if we'll finish all that in this year. Yeah. How long did this, does it take to make a game like Bitcoin Bounce? That one only took a couple of months. Um, but 
as you want to add more features like competitions, it just makes it more and more complicated, like adding leaderboards. Uh, and yeah, that's the, so Bitcoin Bounce is a super simple game. And the reason I picked a simple game to start with was to make sure, number one, I could get the game on the App Store. And number two, people were interested in the, the prize winning concept I came up with because you don't just win Bitcoin directly. You have to enter into a secondary competition. So uh, that was quite a quick one to do. Yeah. So what, uh, well, you have to, um, how does that work? Well, you have to sort of apply for f- future games or once you're in the app, you're in the app. How does that work? The app store. Yeah. Every time you do an update, they check it. Um, and Apple man, like they have people manually checking, uh, cause, and I know for a fact they've manually checked Bitcoin bounce cause they've emailed me about it before. Um, and Google are a bit more automatic. They do automatic checks, but I think they do manual checks as well. Um, sorry, what was the question? I've kind of gone off on a tangent. I'm just wondering how, yeah, I think you answered it. How, how, they, uh, how they make sure you're like in compliance with their roles oh, like yeah. you add new games. So every time you do an update, they check. Okay. And then every time you do a new game, they check. And I think they probably check more thoroughly as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I never, the things you never think about as just like a user, you know, like I would have never thought, and then we're talking here and that's just something that popped into my head. Like how, how do they know that you're staying in compliance with what, what they want? That's interesting. Yeah, and I, I don't know how it works behind the scenes, but I always try and be like, when I first released the game and they checked it for the first time, I put in loads of documents. I was not trying to hide what was in the game because there's no point trying to sneak it in and then just getting kicked out later, is there? Right. It can take a while to get these things reviewed because they have to check all the documentation the legal side. So I sort of see like the obviously um, with the advent of the well, really the iPhone and you know then Android made uh, their devices and they you know it's like Android iPhone now like as obviously you know you you create games for both, um, but. That was, I was thinking about this yesterday, how that was like the beginning of like, without that, we wouldn't be able to, I don't think Bitcoin would be nearly as big. And um, I don't know, that gives us the ability to be like our own, our, really take our, you know, our bank in our pocket. And it wouldn't just be on like a, a you know, a PC or whatever. Um, I sort of see the future of um, blockchains going mobile too i think the i think the the you know i I think that being able to run a full node on your on your mobile device is going to be huge obviously you see a lot of value in mobile gaming so is that the future of gaming is is mobile gaming the future of gaming um i think the future of gaming is virtual reality uh that's like the, the first time i tried virtual reality it was like when you first, like when I first got a SNES and it was like, whoa, this is amazing. It's like I hadn't had that same feeling for like 20 years of like being really impressed by a games console. So I think virtual reality is probably the future of gaming. Uh, mobile, mobile gaming is always going to have its place because it's got its niche. You can, you, you've got your mobile device on your way to work and like you said, in the gym. So it's not necessarily the future, it will just evolve. Uh, mobile but i think virtual reality and you can see in the bitcoin space there's lots of people even just doing meetups and it's working well isn't it i know they're forced into right. virtual reality because of the environment we live but they 
every time there's a new meetup, it's getting more and more popular. Yeah, that's interesting too. That takes it to another level. Like we're going to be living inside the, you know, there's already talk that we live in in a simulation and now we're like, we're just stepping into it willingly. It is different. It's like this whole another paradigm that like, you know, some people have dipped their feet into, but not a lot yet. Um, Do you, do you, uh, are you interested in like maybe developing some stuff for VR? Yeah, I have got some game ideas for virtual reality and, and Bitcoin, but they're not, but it's so far, like, that's another walled garden, the virtual reality um, app stores are another kind of like, you've got a really high quality product to, to get on there. So yeah. It's, it's kind of too, like when it's just me and another guy, it's those kind of projects are too, too much of a risk. It would cost me like a hundred grand or something to, get, <laughs> to make the game or something, you know, it's like way out of my ability to, I could do it, but it, I would just not, I would lose a hundred grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you got to make that risk assessment, right? Yeah, it's almost like I want to wait and see what other people do with, uh, if they can think of Bitcoin and gaming and VR and then sort of join on, because I'll have the skills, I'll know I'll be able to ramp up quick to to do that kind of product. Are you are are you a gamer on like any uh, like um, other systems right now? Do you play like uh, PS4, or Xbox One, or anything like that? Uh, yeah, PS4, um, but not so much. I tend to because I work on games all day, and I often play because I do mobile games. I'm often like downloading games on the top of the App Store and seeing like how it works like and i have to play through the game to see when they deliver certain products and when they try and get you to buy something and i have to think about the timing of what people are how they're trying to monetize their game so i'm always playing mobile games really give an example of like something you've learned like that i'm interested like when a good time to release something would be or do you have anything off off the top of your head Uh, so what i was referring to was when you download a, a mobile game and you start playing it, for example, Crossy Road, I was playing yesterday, and you're playing it and it doesn't overload you with, you need to buy this, you need to buy that, here's this, buy that. It's not until like the next second day I was playing it, it started to then say, hey, why don't you buy this character? Or it would say, it would give you a character for free for three go, three attempts. And then at the end of the three things, it would say, do you want to buy it? You know. That's brilliant. Yeah, little things like that. Yeah. Another interesting anecdote uh, is what some companies do is they measure how quickly you click on certain buttons as you play. So over time, like when you're on the second day of playing and there's like a retry button, they'll measure like how fast you click the retry button after you've died. And then they will be able to figure out how much you like their game. So if people clicking it really fast, they tend to maybe buy some more stuff. If you don't click it as fast, they won't show you as many purchase adverts because they know you're not as interested. Right. Like it's just all stuff like that. That's cool. Um, I know that y- you collect data on yours. It tells you right when you download the app. What kind of like what kind of data are you privy to? Are you do you, do you can you see that sort of thing in yours? Like how fast I click uh, restart or whatever. I could if I measured it, but I don't measure that kind of thing. I'm trying to be really good with the privacy. Um, as you probably noticed when you played it today, in the game, you don't have to sign up. There's no like email to sign up and you can just win Bitcoin. There's no, like I don't collect anything. I don't make you log in with Twitter, nothing. Um, but there's still 
for the advertising to work, there's still some data that gets collected. So on your phone, you will have an advertising identifier, which is uh, in your settings of your, of your phone, which mm -hmm. you can reset at any time. And what that does is it sends that identifier to an ad network along with your um, information like your phone you're using, your operating system, uh, your battery life, probably loads of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but because it's tied to this advertising identifier, it's not actually tied to you. So at any point on your phone, you can go in and reset the advertising identifier and you're completely detached from all of that data that's been collected on you. Oh, so okay. it's, so it's, it's not too bad, but I mean, it's just the, what the nature of the business model I've chosen is because it's advertising is the monetization method, then you have to pass this information. Otherwise the advertisers wouldn't know. They don't want to just target all phones. You know, they might only want to target people on an iPhone. Right, right. Yeah. And then location too. I mean, um, they want to know, you know, what, what restaurants are around you or what stores or whatever. Right. So, or else the, the you know, the, 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 the data is not really that valuable. Am I right? Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to, I'm setting up um, one of the other things I want to set up is uh, lightning network ads. So people, someone could go to my website, a company and or like a, a amazing podcaster <laughs> could go on there and um, promote their site or their product on, on my game. And then they would, because they know that the game is for crypto, they don't need to worry about all the targeting and measure and getting all the user data. Cause they already know oh, I'm a crypto company. I want to advertise these crypto users. So they can just buy those ad spaces and there wouldn't need to be any data collection, which would be really good, much better. Yeah, you just gave me an idea. I like that idea too. Um, maybe I need to get on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spread my podcast to all the, uh, like all the Bitcoiners. All yeah, because that's one of the things with the game is, at the moment it's just got ads that are just kind of, I don't know if they're that relevant to people, but it's trying to, they're trying to the ad network tries to give them the best ads they can. But it would be way better if in the game there's like these video ads at the end of every level and be way better if the video ads could teach the user about a Bitcoin product. So it could, for your podcast, for example, mm -hmm. it'd be really good if it was like trying to get listeners to the podcast and it could, you know, show clips of the podcast, best bits, and you know, like sign up to the podcast or if it's, you know, an exchange, it could teach the user how to buy Bitcoin in the videos. So that when they get click on it and go to the website, they already know how to, how to do it. Yeah. That's another way to provide value. I think that's a good idea. I could see that definitely working out in the, in for you guys. Um, so let's just do a little, I like to, uh, you know, I, I don't make the show about price, but it is fun to talk about price. Um, let me do a little quick screen share here. Um, we are, it is Sunday, April 26, 2020. This is for posterity. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we're at uh, 76.32 uh, USD, up 1.1%. Ethereum at 195.10, or 0.82% up. And then Chainlink is currently having a little bit of a down day. It's weird. Uh, down 1.68% and at $3.74. Um, I like to cover that. 
And then his website's thndrthunder.games while we're on here. Um, where do you see us heading um, into this having? Um, and where do you see, like, I sort of think our my, – my sort of uh, – I think the bull market started February 8th, 2019. And, you know, there's, like, these different pullbacks and stuff during the time frame. But where do you kind of – you know, do you – are you one of these guys that think we're going to head to 100,000-plus uh, in the next 18 months? Or what do you think is going to happen? Tough, isn't it? I think it'll probably, I reckon after the halving, it was going to crash. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll, like, we'll get to like eight or 9,000 and then halving and then uh, back down to six or something, you know. That could happen. Yeah, I don't think it will have much of an effect um, because no, one, no one's really talking about Bitcoin. So it's not, you know, not lots of new people are coming into it. Uh, then, but I don't, yeah, I don't think, um, maybe not a hundred thousand in the next couple of years, but maybe, I don't, I do think it will get there maybe next, maybe five years, perhaps. It's quite a long way away, isn't it? A hundred thousand. Yeah. I sort of think that we will see some fireworks in the next 18 months after the having the last two, we saw like crazy, you know, crazy, uh, crazy, you know, runs, um, thousands and thousands of percents both both uh times uh, now that's only two two times this is a third having there's no way to say for sure that'll happen i've had this number in my head for uh, over a year now and it's sixty five thousand. and um the stock to flow guy plan b you know who i'm talking about yeah, yeah. He, he sort of released something about that he saw he thought some stock to flow that we could be c70k on this in this whenever the bull market reaches its peak or whatever that that's likely and that number just keeps coming up 65 70,000 so I don't know I I feel like maybe that with all the printing and stuff maybe this is like it it would just be weird it sort of seems like our moment to shine maybe I don't know the thing with the printing is that what no one ever talks about is like in the UK money is like 20% of its fiat money 80% is credit and when there's a recession or um, depression credit (laughs) shrinks right so you could print more money but the overall money supply might actually be less because the credit's gone down. So relying on the fact they're printing money to make, and then it'll go up is speculative, I think. But I mean, I think it will go to a hundred thousand, but I don't know, don't know when. Hopefully it goes to a hundred thousand this year. (laughs) It could be, I think we, I think it'll be like four or five months after the having, I sort of agree with you that we could see a pullback after, I still think we could see 10,000 into the having. I don't think that's that crazy. I think we're like two good days away now. I said it's 6,800. Uh, I think it was Monday I made a video that I thought we could maybe see 10K and then we were up, uh, we're up almost $1,000, eight or 900 since then. So we're only like two, good, two really good days away now from 10K, five figures. Yeah, but the, the backdrop of this halving is like, a once in a generation, a once in a hundred a year pandemic. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. Like that, the shine off, the shine off it. Yeah, that's true. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think people are going to. You're right about. I I, I agree with your theory about how credit can, uh, uh, you know, contracts during uh, these these times. But I do think that more people are like interested in money now more than ever. 
and they are going to look for a way to, uh, and maybe not right now, but some, you know, we are seeing more people interested in economics and I think they're going to look for a way to avoid inflation. Like here, the dollar loses four and a half percent a year to inflation. So yeah, it's insane, man. So I really think that, uh, I think I think big things are in our future, but who knows? It's just fun to speculate, you know. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think about like the next ten years? Where do you see Bitcoin? Where are we gonna be using it for um, uh, our coffee purchases? Like that's sort of been like a hope for a long time. Or um, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, like as like I said earlier in in the podcast that I was I like the um, the fiat. Uh, digital currencies. So I actually think they're going to take over um, where Bitcoin should have been taken over just because the volatility of Bitcoins made it hard for people to really, it gets the wrong type of adoption, doesn't it? It gets the gamblers and the degenerates, (laughs) not the the safe, not the, you know, cool cool people who just want to have safe, like spend money on coffees. (laughs) Um, So yeah, in 10 years, I think it can be adopted and I think games is the way forward, which is why I've sort of committed to making this games company uh, using Bitcoin because Bitcoin is more special than normal money. Mm -hmm. I think it can be adopted into games as prizes and that kind of thing. Um, We already see that with gambling, you know, Uh, it's adopted there. Yeah, I I think as I'm like the biggest free market advocate that you'll ever meet in your entire life. So, as I view you people like you um, as like our great benefactors, like you're like paving the way because I feel so deeply about Bitcoin mm-hmm. and um, the, the potential of blockchain technology. I sort of think that, you know, um, without people like you, especially and people that are, you know, doing the hard work of like, you know, getting people involved, um, it would, it, you know, we aren't going to make that happen, but I sort of do think it, I, I, I sort of do think that we will, um, keep gaining ground. Yeah, I agree. I think there there are definitely businesses that get are getting traction, like Fold, for example. I really like that. Do you use yeah. Fold? I'm not on there, but I, I know, I'm aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't use it because I don't think it works in the UK yet. Or it works, but none of the retailers work. And and there's uh, Stacking.com, which is just not a, a European version of that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's like the kind of cashback idea. So Bitcoin is a better. Uh, what's the word? Not cashback, uh, like air miles, you know. Yeah. Bitcoin is like a, just a, a reward. Yeah, and I think that works really well because it does have people are using it for savings. It's going up in value, and we all think it's going to 100k. So it makes sense to use it as a as a really good hook for companies who want to give rewards, which is basically what my game is is like a rewards giving game. Right. Uh, one last, I actually have two quick, two, uh, two questions to wrap up here. I appreciate your time today. It's been fun. Yeah. Had a good time. So what is the, um, what is the overall, uh, Bitcoin ethos in London in that area? I, I really want to come over there and check it out soon, but obviously it might be a while before I can get over there, but, uh, what, what's it like over there and what, you know, in the Bitcoin tech, uh, world? Yeah. So there's a really good meetup group, um, by Michael uh, Foxton, I think that's how pronounce his last name. Never said it out loud before, so I can spell it. Uh, and he organizes like Socratic seminars, and there's sort of quite a few people go to that. I'd say 
they, they normally get about 20 to 30 people go, um, but there's like a pool of maybe 100, 200 people uh, as part of that group. Uh, there's the uh, uh, Advancing Bitcoin Conference, which is organized by a guy called Leon in London. That was in, that's, that was in January. That was really good. A lot of uh, big Bitcoiners were there. You know, Twitter famous Bitcoiners. Yeah, like I know Max Kaiser used to do his show over there. Um, is there any is there is there any like good speeches that you would recommend from those kind of events that uh, I should look up or that anybody should look up? I'm a big YouTube speech guy. I love to I love yeah. to put on a speech. Uh, I can't remember if there was anything particular. Just. I don't know if sure if they put it on YouTube yet. I'd just check it all out. It was only a short conference, like it was one day. Oh. One day was, was t uh, tech talks, and it was just one stage. And then the other day was um, seminars, which they didn't film, but you could just pick a seminar and that you'd learn about, like running a node or whatever. It was cool. Yeah, that's really cool. All right, so last question. This is how I wrap up the show. Um, what, I'm, I, you know, I kind of told you that Bitcoin's like, you know, it means a lot to me, man. So <laughs> I'm curious what, what I always ask this at the end. I think I forgot one, only one episode. What does Bitcoin mean to you? Uh, it means freedom. Uh, from my perspective, it just means you can, you don't have to ask permission to do anything. Like all, all my other businesses have been games and you always have to be, in someone else's system to get the money through it. And whereas now you can just go direct to people for your business and there's no like the middleman thing for me because Apple was my middleman, which is like yeah. the biggest company in the world. Like <laughs> in charge of my life basically for the past 10 years and whether or not I could get any money. <laughs> so the fact that I don't like, if Apple said, no, you can't put your app on the app store, I'd be like, well, I'm just gonna make it, you know, on PC instead and I'll still be able to get my money, you know? Right. Yeah, that's, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's the uh, ability for people to just financial freedom. Uh, and I, I view it as like, I've always thought that this is like the best way to raise people out of poverty too, that really don't have a lot of opportunity. All you need is, you know, a uh, cheap uh, mobile phone and may, or maybe a, a cheap laptop, you know, you could even have a secondhand laptop and start a business online and start accepting Bitcoin where other, you know, there's so many barriers to entry with like legacy money. And especially if you're in like Africa or something where uh, sending a wire is like 30% or whatever, you know, they, they mark up, you know, the poorest places in the world pay the highest fees. So uh, yeah, Bitcoin to me is, you know, it's, it, I, I agree with you. It's like, it, it really, it, it's just so empowering. But wh where is, uh, where would you recommend sending people? I showed your website. Do you want to shout it out again and then your uh, Twitter? Yeah, so the website is thunder.games, T-H-N-D-R.games. And you can download Bitcoin Bounce on there. And then our Twitter page is thundergames, T-H-N-D-R games. Everybody go check it out. This is Jack Everett, uh, episode 18 of the Various and Numerous podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. I'd like to do it again if you have time in the future. Of course. Excellent. Yeah, I had a great time. All right. I'll say goodbye to you here in one moment. Thanks for coming on.